Welcome to the Amity Bible Church with our pastor, Dr. Les Smith. Our vision is to become the church that Christ intended it to be, to know God and to make Him known as our mission. And we are committed to loving God, serving others, and are unashamedly obsessed with sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you can always get the message online, YouTube, Facebook, and our podcast that's air on all major podcast platforms. Make sure you like and subscribe to all three. Pastor Martin is here with the continuation of the current series, The Power of a Gentle Spirit. Today's sermon is entitled, Overcoming the Angermonger. He begins in James chapter 1, verses 19 through 20. Now follow along with us as Pastor Martin dives deeper into the message. Now one of the things that we have as our guide and our direction is our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, his gentle spirit was displayed throughout his life, his ministry, his trial, and even while he was being executed, because even while he's being executed, we hear him declare, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Now, his gentleness, and you know we've been working through and using this working definition all month long, that gentleness is mildness combined with tenderness. So Jesus' gentleness was known by all men, which is why the apostle Paul could tell, could ask the the Philippian church, he said, listen, let your gentleness be known to all men. Even as, as we understand that Jesus' gentleness was known to all men, that we could use him as an example as we understand that. Now, here's a challenge, because all of us have this emotion of anger and can easily lose our temper. And the problem is that this biblical principle of us living out gentleness may seem out of reach in certain circumstances. But here's the reality. As a born-again believer, because gentleness is one of the fruit of the Spirit, It brings that which seems to be out of reach into reach. Because by the power and strength of the Holy Spirit, the born-again believer can experience the fruit of gentleness because of the Spirit. Now, here's something we must accept today. That anger and wrath are twins. We look at the text here, he says... This you know, my beloved brethren, but everyone must quickly hear, slowly speak, and be slow to wrath or anger. When you look at this now, these two are actually twins, but the question is, in the life of the born-again believer, we have to decide whether they're going to be conjoined or fraternal. Because here's what the Holy Spirit can do. He can go in and surgically separate anger and wrath because here's what the Lord calls us to do. In Philippians chapter, I'm sorry, in Ephesians chapter number four, we understand that we're called to be angry, but don't sin. 
to be angry, but don't sin. Which tells us that I can be angry and not be wrathful. Because the sin comes in when I want harm to come to you. It's not that we get angry or upset. It's that it's what we do after we get angry or upset. How many times has someone upset you? You got angry and you got even. Wait a second. You got angry. That's natural. But it's the getting even. That, that's the problem. Because here's what God says. He says, vengeance is mine. And I'm the one that's going to repay. So if we take up wrath because we get angry, then we cannot exhibit the Christ likeness that we desire. Because although they are twins, they don't have to be conjoined. They can be separated because when they're conjoined, if you see one, you're going to see the other. However, if they become separated and are fraternal, then ultimately you can have one and not have the other. Which leads us to our very first point. Because I want you to understand that the emotion of anger is God-given. It's God-given. God gave us the emotion of anger. However, he says, be angry, but don't sin. So let's unpack this. Look, uh, uh, so we have the soul. The soul is the seat of, the man, of man's emotions. It's where we, uh, uh, all of the, the, our likes and our dislikes are. It's what makes us uniquely us. And here's the thing. If we reach back to man's creation... The Bible says in Genesis chapter 2 that God scooped up man out of the dust and formed him out of dust. And here's what he did. He breathed into man, and here's what the word says, and man became a living soul. When God breathed into the first man, Adam, he became a living soul. And if that soul is a seed of emotion, then God gave us this emotion of anger. And Solomon helps to affirm this because as he gives his explanation in Ecclesiastes, the, the third chapter, we've all heard this. There's a time and purpose under the sun for everything. In verse number a one, he opens up by saying there's a purpose and time for everything under the sun. When he gets down to verse number four, he starts talking about emotions because there he says, he says there's a time for us to weep, time to laugh. There's even time for us to mourn. Four verses later, he also speaks about loving and hating. So we understand that this emotion of anger is a part of the human experience. All of us have it. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 26, here's what the word of the Lord says, be angry and do not sin. That's actually quoting from Psalm 4 verse 4. 
And he goes on to say, and do not allow the sun to go down on your anger or your wrath. Because here's the thing that we all can, can attest to. The longer you allow that thing to rest on you, it's most definitely going to produce some, some wrath. How many times have you let it go and walked away? And then you get over and start talking to yourself. Who do he think he is? He don't know I used to be a golden glove boxer. I could have left hooked him and knocked him. You've already walked away. But the longer you let it sit there. That's why Paul says, don't let, don't let the sun go down. As soon as you can, rectify that emotion. Husbands and wives, sons and daughters, children and parents, don't allow that thing to fester because the longer it festers, you're going to want to get your, get your lick in, as they say. So he says, don't let the anger sit on you. Here's another thing. Psalm 38, 37, verse 8, he says this, cease from anger and forsake wrath. Don't fret because it's going to cause harm. I love what the New Living Translation said. It says it this way. It says, stop being angry. Turn from your, ra your rage. Do not lose your temper because it's only going to produce harm. Because if we're called to live gently... And to live a life of mildness with tenderness, if we become those who will let anger just sit on us, resting in our heart, resting in our mind, resting in our thought, overtaking our thoughts, eventually we're going to retaliate. And sometimes we do that in passive-aggressive ways. We know the passive-aggressive. She offended you, you got upset. And you say something kind of slighting, but, you know, like you're giving a compliment. Boy, those are some nice shoes. When you really mean, why in the world she got those shoes on? And in that letter to the Philippians, Paul goes on to say this. In verse 27, he says, nor give place to the devil. That's where we get our title from today. Because you say, Pastor, that's a cute title and it gets your attention, but what's the point? Well, a monger is someone who either sells or trades specific commodities. Here we, he says, don't Give place to the devil after having said, be angry and don't sin because you've got the natural emotion of anger in you. But he says, but don't sin. And then he says, and don't give place because even as you walk away and you say this over, guess who comes? The mongerer comes on and says, hey, 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 now, you know, you know, you, you, you would have, you would have. 
you would have told them a thing or two. You would have given them a piece of your mind. Now, I need to help you understand something. You've got to be careful about giving pieces of your mind out. They tell us that we're all, for the most part, only using 10%. Now, if you're walking around piecing your mind out, at some point, you're going to become... You got a little piece over here. You done sent a piece over there. You done typed a piece. You done texted a piece. You done told a piece. But he says, do not give place to the devil who is the anger monger. Because here's what Matthew says that now in verse 4, Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, he says, now when the tempter came, so we understand that we're, when it comes to anger, we shouldn't give him any place. And we understand his nature is to be tempting. So what he does is he comes in knowing that you've been called to live a life of mildness and tenderness and to not lose your temper. He comes and continues to tempt you to lose your temper because that's what he is. He's a monger. He's peddling anger. Knowing that you're called not to become wrathful, not to engage or to live life with wrathful anger. There's anger and then there's wrathful anger. Anger is I'm upset, it bothered me, it agitated me, I'm upset. Wrathful anger means I'm going to eventually get even. But here's my next point. I want to encourage you that when the anger monger comes, don't take the bait. Say that with me. Don't take the bait. John Bevere, an author and pastor, wrote a book called The Bait of Satan. And essentially what he does is he outlines how Satan will use the bait of offense to get us to walk around with anger and bitterness in us. And how he uses this bait to cause us to then uh, walk outside of our call to be gentle-spirited people who are apt to forgive. Now, does that mean it's easy? Sometimes it's not. Sometimes there are things that have happened that we just, we, we hold on to because of how deeply they hurt. But here's the reality. You can never forgive if you don't have a plan to. Because ultimately, if you say, I will never, never as long as I live, forgive them then you've already postured yourself to say, listen, for the rest of my life, this thing will rest in me. But John speaks about how this sits in us, and he talks about his own personal example. Uh, he gives himself as an example. He says he was a young minister. He was serving in a church, and while he was serving there, the pastor, the senior pastor, did something that, 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 that didn't sit well with him and didn't, didn't shed a, a positive light on him, and so then he was upset. 
Now, he eventually left, and he went on, and he was doing well and prospering. He says, but he went to a funeral, and guess who was the eulogist? Years later, that pastor. And when he sat there in the back, he began to become more and more angry because he had hoped that this pastor would not prosper, but it seemed like he was doing better than he'd ever done before. And he realized that even after all these years, he had been walking around with offense. Even though he had moved on, he was successful. And so then he concludes that offense is Satan's bait to draw wrath out of us. Thus, we say, don't take the bait. Now, I love the fish, and I've, I've brought a little prop to help me out with this today. Now, there's something to know about fishing. When you go, it is an endeavor that requires two parties. That's you and the fish. And your goal is to convince the fish to take the bait that you're putting in the water in order for the fish to get hooked. Now, I've brought three particular lures today. Now, this first lure is one that is intended to just skirt across the top of the water. Because if we will admit, there's sometimes there are things that are said or done, they don't really hit, hit hard, but it's just, it just agitates you. you get, it's, it's upsetting. Now, so he, he throws one of those at you. And, and you, you're okay with that. So you know what? It's like water off a duck's back. No big deal. However, as a fisherman, as a good fisherman, if you're using one bait and you don't get the reaction that you're looking for, you got to switch up. So here's the thing. This second lure, it actually dives a little bit, goes a little deeper. It's not a deep diver, but it dives about two, two and a half, three feet. So as you're retrieving it, it's just, and the goal is to entice the fish, whether they're hungry or not, to come after it. So it, it's even got a rattle. I don't know if you can hear this, but it's rattling and moving in the water and diving and looking like a fish that's wounded. But it only goes so deep. And here's the thing. That didn't get you. You, got, you were OK. You know what? I let that one go. But he says, OK, wait a second. Uh, I got to go deeper. I got to hit you harder. Here's this last lure. This is a deep diver. And what happens is when as you're retrieving it, it deeps, it dips down. And comes up and keeps dipping down because it's going lower and lower, hoping to draw you in. So the, so the devil will oftentimes, he will recognize that, hey, wait a minute, you didn't take the bait on that one. So let me go a little deeper. Oh, that didn't get you. Okay, I'm not giving up because any good fisherman don't give up because they're not catching. See, my wife, she don't like going fishing with me because she said it just takes too long. Sitting out there waiting just for the fish to bite. Here's the thing you have to understand. Because Satan has been at this thing for centuries. He's seen some of us reject certain baits. 
So he doesn't give up and say, you know what, I'm going to take my gear and go home. He keeps on fishing. Here's the thing. I've understood that over the course of my time fishing, that if I am going to be successful, I have to make sure that I am not willing to give up. And because he knows that, yes, you've made a dec- you've decided that you're going to follow and discernment has really been, been touching you and it's been encouraging you. And you've been hearing how we are called to walk and to live and we're supposed to live lives gently with tenderness. He doesn't say, OK, well, now that we've gone over this good series, we're just going to go ahead and pack up and go home. He's persistent in his effort because he understands that ultimately if one doesn't get you, another just might. But here's what we have to remind ourselves. Don't take the bait. Here's some of the lures. Uh, you and your spouse are talking, having a conversation, and he or she responds sharply. Don't take the bait. This is for a young person. Your mom says, hey, listen, no, you can't go there with your friends. No, you can't go to the mall. Tonight we're going to have a time in with family. You can get offended, but don't take the bait. Here's another one. Uh, you're driving down the street. You got your worship music going on and you and Jesus are having a moment in the car and somebody cuts you off. Don't take the bait. Here's another one. Your supervisor takes half or most of, your, of the credit for your work. Oh. Don't take the bait. Oh, here's a, here's a good one. Someone post something of your business on Facebook. And boy, I got a post for them. But don't take the bait. The pastor or leadership forgets to acknowledge you for serving. I was over there all day that day. I was one of the last ones to leave. Because we understand that the monger is putting his bait out there trying to see, am I going to take up offense and become angry? Don't take the bait. Here's the last one. Uh, your, your child's teacher sends you an email telling you that your child's behavior today just wasn't that great. Who, who does she? See, she don't even like my child. This, this one's always interesting to me because you mean to tell me that this, this man or woman went and completed four years of schooling, took the courses to get their certificates, 
And in some cases, they have an advanced degree. They did all of that so they could be sitting there waiting for your Johnny to come through. Just so they have a personal vendetta. But here's the thing. We have to be careful because guess what happened? There is some bait out there and we potentially could take the bait, but we must remind ourselves not to take the bait. Because Satan knows that we are called to be angry, but, that's, but don't sin. And he knows that if we take up offense, oftentimes we take it, we coddle it, we keep it, we hold it, and we may store it away, not realizing, as John Bevere points out, that all these years he was still walking around offended, and the wrath was still there. So then, Pastor, how then do we overcome this? I got four points. I got four ways in which we can do that. First, you got to first recognize the tactics. Next, you have to understand uh, that you got to prepare for the attacks. The next thing you have to do is you have to resist the temptation. And then finally, you have to walk or live life under the guise of the Holy Spirit. So let's go back to number one. Recognize the tactics. If you would, turn in your Bibles to uh, Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 11. Because we've already pointed out earlier that, that, that Satan is, is called the tempter. So we know that he, he's going to try to tempt us to do what God is telling us not to do. So he's a tempter. But here we find something out about him. Because here in the, in the 11th verse of, of the 6th chapter of Ephesians, it says that we may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And wiles are the tricks, schemes, and deceptions. So we have to be prepared that he's coming with some, tri- some trick, something to try to get you to become wrathful. Notice that this bait in the water, there's certain colors that are used to give the appearance of the shimmer of a real fish. Because it's designed to tempt the fish to come in and bite. So we understand that we have to first recognize that that there's some tactics that he's going to use, tricks, schemes, and deceptions. The next thing we have to do is we have to prepare for those attacks. In that same verse, in the beginning, he says, put on the whole armor of God that you are able to withstand when the tactics, the schemes, the tricks come. So you got to understand that if God is calling you to gentleness, Satan's goal is to get you outside of yourself. He wants you to take your earrings off. He wants you to start getting, getting loose and getting ready. He wants you to pull your belt up and say, okay, let's get it on. Why? Because he knows that God has said, be angry. I gave you that, but don't be wrathful. Because the wrathfulness of man does not work the righteousness of God. 
So put on the whole armor of God. So we got to prepare. Number three, we have to resist the temptation because you, you, you may win. You say, hey, listen, I got it. I didn't. I didn't succumb to that temptation. But again, he's not going to give up. He's going to keep coming with something new to try to get you outside of yourself or to lose your temper. James chapter four, verse 17. Here's what it says. Therefore, submit to God. There it is. God is saying, be angry, but don't sin. You got to submit to that. You got to say, hey, God, that's my plan. I, I, I understand it. You want me to walk in gentleness. And gentleness means I'm going to be mild and I'm going to, I'm going to have tenderness even though I may become angry. So he says, submit to God. And then he says this, resist the devil. Here it is. And he will flee. Now, it, it, it doesn't mean he's going to run off quickly. He, he might still wait there and still see, are you going to give in? But you got to keep resisting because ultimately you've, I've submitted to the will of God. And that is for me to live life with a gentle spirit. I'm going to tell you, that's not always easy. Can we just agree? Because you guys are sitting there like, yes, pastor, we've got it. I'm so gentle. But we all know here that that's not always easy, is it? Which is why he says, resist. And notice the positioning of resist in this line of, 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 of advice to you. It starts out by first recognizing, preparing, and then resist because you're not going to resist if you've not recognized that this is what he's going to do and you've not prepared yourself to resist. So resist the devil and he will flee from you. The last bit of advice I'll give you, how do we overcome? You've got to live under the Spirit's guidance. Turn to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. We need verse 16. Galatians 5, verse 16. I say then, walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh, the temptation of the flesh, the, the, the propensities of the flesh, the things that, that come naturally for you. Because the fact that God saved you didn't mean your memory was wiped clean of all that filthy language. It's still in there. It's an appetite. You're being made new. That's not, that's not, you, that's not you today, but it's still in this flesh. So he says here, he says, I say then, walk in the spirit. Walk under the guidance of the spirit. That walk in the spirit means that I'm walking submitted to the spirit because if I do it in myself, I'm getting everybody told. I ain't letting nobody do me wrong. They've got hell to pay if they bother me. But in the spirit, I won't fulfill this propensity of my flesh. 
So he says, walk in the spirit and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. So how do we overcome it, pastor? We must first recognize the tactics that are there. We must prepare because an attack's coming. He's coming. He's, he's going to come after you to get you outside of yourself. Number three, you got to resist the temptation because he's going to continue to put bait out there for you to take offense because, so you're not going to get angry unless you're offended. And you're not going to be wrathful if you don't let anger sit on you, fester in you, sitting and brooding with your arms folded. And then finally, living under the guides of the Holy Spirit. My final point for today Gentleness is a powerful thing because this whole series is, is based upon the power of a gentle spirit. And I want, to, want you to see something that the Proverbs tell us. Turn, if you would, to Proverbs chapter 16. And we're going to close after this. Proverbs 16 and we want specifically 32, verse 32. He who is slow to anger, listen to this, is better than the mighty. Anyone who's able to, so, so what gentleness may seem like weakness and, and, and meekness may seem like you're weak, but the, Psalm, the, the proverb here tells us that anyone that can be slow to anger Notice it says, this dude might get angry, but slow to get there. Here's how it looks. Have you noticed this? There's some people that, that, that wherever they go, they go fast. That was my dad. My dad, my dad is about 5'4". And those little legs always were going. Everywhere we went, he was gone. But then there's others that are kind of smooth with it. Like Brother Tim. He came in today looking like Sunday morning three times over. And he was moving slow. I was standing, I was standing talking to somebody out in the lobby. He said, Pastor. See, the Lord wants us to recognize there's a difference between my dad and Brother Tim. Because my dad was quick to do. And if he were dealing with anger, he might be quick to get angry. But the Lord wants you to be cool about it. Oh, you said it. Okay. It upset me. Hey, I am, I am burning up inside. But you know, it's okay. I'm, I'm, I want to exhibit my Christ-likeness in this situation. And you may be as slow as you want to be and still manage to get there. And once you do get there, then he says, I know you're there, but sin not. Because here's what our passage today says. That the wrath or the anger or the wrathful anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So here it is. Now that we know that anger and wrath can be separated, 
they're conjoined. They can be conjoined. And you, you can live life and say, hey, I'm a, I don't know. If, I don't know. It may be too difficult of a surgery for them to be separated because every time I get angry, I get wrathful. But by the power of the Holy Spirit, they can be separated. The next thing, because we understand that we can overcome the temptation to become wrathful. Because we have the power in us to do that by the Holy Spirit. And finally, now that we understand that gentleness is power, that when I'm able to, 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 to temper myself, what seems to be weakness is actually strength. Pastor alluded to this last week. Jesus is on the cross. And they're out there mocking him and saying, hey, you saved others, save yourself. If you be who you say you are, come down off the cross. And they're mocking him, thinking that he's hanging there in weakness. But the whole time, he's hanging in strength and power because he's overcoming and he's not submitting to the anger monger who's saying to him, if you are going to do this, look at all the stuff you did for them and they're putting you on a cross. He's hanging there and he says, okay, yeah, let me show you where I'm at even now. Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. Because the reality is this. When James says this, he says, so then, I'll conclude with this, James 1, 8, 19 and 20 says, so then, because we understand that we can overcome, that we're strong when we are able to govern our temperament. He says, so then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear. Because sometimes we, we didn't hear it right. They didn't mean it the way we thought they said it. The intent was not there. So he says, be slow. Slow to, to hear. I mean, swift to hear, rather. Slow to speak. Because there are times we say something before we've thought about it. And then that prompts a reaction. And then that prompts a reaction. And before you know, we're both going back and forth. And now we're yelling. And we're, why are you yelling? I don't know. Why are you yelling? I don't know. Why, why are we yelling? Because we've both responded quickly. So he says, swift to hear, slow to speak. And here it is, slow to wrath. Why? Because the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. We had an awesome time in the Lord, and we pray that you did as well. And want to thank you for visiting the Amity Bible Church. If you're in need of prayer, counsel, or if we can assist in any way, please don't hesitate to ask. If you would like to join, contact us, or receive these and other sermon notes, visit us at amitybc.org. Until next week, we hope to see you then. Be blessed.